Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs, and I'm so glad to be here with you today. The music in the background is from our good buddy, Dave Barnes. If you haven't checked him out yet, do it, y'all. Do it. How could you not? I mean, you've listened to him all year, so I know. He's the best. Today on the show is one of my very, very favorite women in ministry. Every time we are together, she challenges me and is a gift to me and asks me to be better and reminds me that I am right where I should be. So you can't ask for much more than that in a friend. I'm so, so thankful for Chris Kane. Her new book is called Unexpected. It is excellent. And I cannot wait for you guys to pick it up and read it. So today in the conversation, Chris does all the things that I warned you she would do. She's going to make you feel grateful for where you are and challenge you to be better. And I hope you are ready for that. So here is my conversation with founder of A21 and Propel Ministries, author, speaker, preacher, all around one of my very favorite women, Christine Kane. So my dream, Chris, when I first saw you a few months ago, we were in Austin for the IF gathering. I want you to start by telling me, what are you seeing across the U.S. right now in the church. Okay. That's like the smallest question yeah, ever I was to start say, with. Like, we're out the gate. Okay, Christine, what are you seeing? Well, you know, I'm in the middle of a tour where we've just yeah. done 16 cities. So yeah. I feel from West Coast to East yep. Coast. Yep. And I'm on the road. I'm on the road about 280 days a year. And a good chunk of that is yeah. in the U.S. So um, I'm seeing, I feel like there's almost two parallel universes happening. Really? Because what I'm seeing is an amazing move of God. Uh, On this tour, hundreds and hundreds, and on a couple of occasions, over a thousand people responding to Christ in altar calls. Oh, yeah. Coming to an outcry tour. Coming to an outcry tour. And responding to an invitation to Christ. So what's making them come? People are bringing their non-Christian friends. Oh, my gosh. And, of course, I really felt coming into 2018 that everything was going to shift. I felt 2018 was a big year of shift and that we would see – revival break forth because you yeah. know the bottom line is that where sin abounds grace abounds more that where there's darkness the light can penetrate the darkness and so i come from a nation where less than two percent of the population go to church so it's very secular humanist which is so unbelievable because everyone thinks in the christian world we think hillsong yes well you know there are 20 odd million australians <laughs> and right. they're not all in hillsong church right. we do have a great revival church but so we were birthed in a very secular humanist pluralistic uh, nation, so you, there was no Christian subculture. Yeah. You got saved. Yeah. You had to be saved, and old school revival fire, mm-hmm. believing mm-hmm. God could move. Um, what would now? I think when you sort of have a lot more theological seminaries and a lot more education and training and VBS and Bible mm-hmm, studies, mm-hmm. Um, people think sometimes that well, that's just really simplistic faith, Christine. You're just talking about revival and you're talking about changing the world. What on earth does that mean? Well, the bottom line is, 30 years ago, I walked into the back of a warehouse in Sydney, Australia, a couple of hundred people in a room. 30 years later you see the Hillsong phenomena and what the Lord has done. So I almost don't need faith to believe for revival yeah. because I've seen, it, seen it and yeah. I've seen a nation shift. I've seen uh, God become part of the conversation um, in a community. I've seen uh, people with a revival spirit really impact every sphere of life. I've seen a girl that was unnamed, unwanted from the back of the poorest zip code in my state lead one of the last largest anti-trafficking organizations mm. in the world today. So mm-hmm. I've seen that you can begin to see culture change and yeah. transformed. Um, 
So what happened then? I moved to America eight years ago and stepped into a very different Christian landscape. And y'all moved to LA straight away? We moved, yeah, to okay. uh, yeah, LA. And um, it was very different. Now, I'd been coming to America for 20 years in right. just certain circles that what I wasn't, I wasn't in um, the evangelical circles. Mm-hmm. I was a lot more in the charismatic, mm-hmm. uh, non-denominational kind of circles. And then, um, and I'd been here for 20 years. I'd just laugh like eight years ago when I stepped into some of the other circles. People are like, oh my word, where did she come from? I'm like, I've been around, honey, a <laughs> right. really long time. I'm That's like 51. Right. But, um, <laughs> you know, the Christian world is a lot bigger than mm-hmm. just one subsection. So when you say what's happening across America, uh, again, that's a loaded question because it depends what stream you're talking about. Yeah. This, the church is larger than what most of us think. So I think it's very dangerous when people speak on behalf of the church. I'm oh, like, right. Uh, I see some tweets and I'm like, what do you mean, the church? <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, there is, um, uh, and we have A21 offices in 13 countries on every continent. So I'm like, you ain't talking about Asia or Africa or right. South America right. or Australasia or even Europe. Um, you're talking about oftentimes one subsection of the North American church. So right. let's, let's actually <laughs> so really what's true. say what's true here <laughs> and right. um, don't vent about the whole church because she's doing really well. Jesus said mm-hmm. 2,000 years ago that he will build his church and the gates of hell shall not yes. prevail against yes. the church of the living God. So because one small subsection maybe having a reckoning right now doesn't mean the entire church is yes. shriveled up or has a poor witness because she doesn't. She is bringing change and transformation. And so I'm seeing great, I'm seeing churches, grow. I'm just thinking of all the churches I've spoken in this year yeah. that are maybe not affiliated anywhere, but wow, they are incredibly diverse. Uh, women empowering, Holy Spirit, uh, freedom um, and life. And people are being saved. People are being delivered. People are being healed. The poor are being fed. The marginalized are being given a voice. Uh, So as much as there is this like subsection on Twitter where people might think that's the whole world, that's a little echo chamber, Mm. God, like he always has, is moving. He's not dependent on Twitter to be moving. He's not even depending on uh, some streams to be moving. God is still on the throne. Lives are being changed and transformed. Um, You know, systemic injustice is being addressed. I love watching the church wake up. I love that in certain streams where maybe there has been, they've been asleep in certain areas of justice. It's beautiful to watch them waking up. It's always messy. Yeah, it's always, you know, it's it's painful. And so there's a lot of screaming, but it will, it will die down. But it's beautiful watching. Uh, just like in my segment of the church, it's been beautiful to see, um, you know, we've been very awake to the Holy Spirit. It's been beautiful, including in my own life. This, mm-hmm. The last um, five or six years, I feel like a, a fresh awakening and a love for the word. And, yeah. uh, you know, so I'm watching the areas where different streams of the church, some some areas of the church have been great on the word, really weak in justice. Others mm-hmm. have been great in the spirit, really not strong in the word. And I think what is happening, uh, God is strengthening some of those weak segments. Um, yeah. And I think we're all going to wake up in... You know, I, I think in about three years, I really can see this all coming together and we're going to go, oh my gosh, okay, there was a bit of ranting and raving along the way. Um, that's okay. We've all come together and we are a strong force. I mm-hmm. actually think there's more strength than we think, more lives are being changed than we think, more people are being saved than we think, and more people are being awakened to our responsibility to make a difference that, you know, salvation isn't just about when I die and go to heaven, yeah. that God has something for me to do here on earth today. Yeah. And and the I thing we don't that. see on Twitter are the lives changed. Like oh, we don't see the person yes. who's just picked up a Bible for the first time. Totally. We see people screaming. We pe- see people screaming. And I'm like, man, 
Are you, you don't get out enough. That's what I think when yeah. I'm watching. I'm thinking you really love enjoy. You really enjoy yelling in your echo chamber because honestly, there's just a handful of people that have got the time. You have to be very privileged to have a lot of time to rant on Twitter right. because the people that I'm word. helping, they're working day and night. Um, some of the communities we work in, and especially with A21, they're working two, three jobs. They don't have time. Yeah. So the ones that have got time to be ranting on Twitter, I think firstly we have to acknowledge we're very privileged. Uh, mm-hmm. The fact that I can. Um, run the amount of social media accounts that I run, I'm obviously part of that. And so if I can help rather than venting, if I can help use those mediums to speak life, I think you'll see with me, you know, I'm very intentionally, I'm not controversial, I'm not out. I'm I'm actually because I don't want to just speak to an echo chamber. If I have something to say or a conversation I want to have, I will have that. I will call that person. I'll sit across the table like I am with you now. And um, I'll do what the Bible says, go to that person, yeah. have a conversation. Yeah. If you feel like you're not getting anywhere, take someone else with you yeah. and have that conversation. Then if not, don't vent on Twitter, just yeah. say nothing and go, I've done all I can do. You know, I'm in the middle of reconciling a friendship mm-hmm. and it is so messy. Very. It's emails and texts and apologies and trying and you just go like, this is actually the work. Well, that's the this work, is the work and of nobody the else knows what's going And very few people I've found are willing to do that. A lot of people are more willing to apologize publicly on Twitter generically rather than do the work of looking Mm. you in the eye Mm. and saying, I really hurt you. I'm sorry. I need Mm -hmm. to own what I've done. Mm -hmm. So there's not real reconciliation unless that is going on. And um, and know, I'm miserable about it. It's girl, so not fun. It's, you just don't. It's hard. I, yeah. You know, we'll talk later about my book, but um, the most painful thing that happened to me in this last year, really, which is what, where a lot of unexpected came from, was the fracture of a relationship that I thought uh, would go the distance for, especially at my oh, age. Wow. I'm 51, yeah. high level of ministry, yeah. you know, a, a lot of responsibility and influence. And um, David writes in Psalm 55, man, it would have been easy. Oh, this Christine paraphrase, but yeah, yeah. man, it would have been easy if um, it was my enemy that hurt me and betrayed me. Yes. But when it was my friend that yeah. I used to go to the house of the Lord with, and yeah. I think in the last year and a half, that's what we've seen a lot of, like mm. where you go, whoa, we were like buddies running in the same lane, mm-hmm. going for the same goal. I really thought we were going to go the distance. And then an outside force came in. And in America, unfortunately, one very prominent thing that I just saw, how could this be used to fracture so many relationships? Right. Um, like it is the deception, the 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 way that um, many people, because of whether it's a political issue, or, it is stunning to me that if that's all it took to fracture Christian relationships, what about when the devil really comes? I mean, mm. this is just like a person. Right. This is just like whatever. I'm going, if that's all it took, this is not even the end times of where things are going to really heat up. Right, right. And um, I think in many ways we're going to look back and go, whoa, we need to get far more heavily fortified in terms of loving one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, by this will all men know that we are his disciples, by the love we have one for another. And I realise that... Um, the pain of betrayal and personal fractures and personal relationships, I think that's really what's on the table, more than big issues, more than big political issues or social issues or moral issues. I think at the end of the day, what this has shown is our weakness in being able to sit across a table, look each other in the eyes and truly, truly in a godly way reconcile. And, you know, can I say the other way, in some cases, truly, truly go, I can't walk with you anymore because we actually don't agree uh not just we're not talking about politics we're talking about deeper theological biblical things um 
some of that is deeply painful. Mm-hmm. I mean, both of those sides mm-hmm. for me have mm-hmm. been um, extremely painful of going, I don't know as a woman that does what I do with the level of influence to who much is given, much is required. So I do mm-hmm. carry very seriously the weight of responsibility of just what I project to a generation. I haven't worked it out well because there is social media. Man, it was easier when I started in ministry. There was no internet. I'm as old yeah, as the dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> Annie, so it's awesome. But can I say it was so much – for your generation, you know, I kind of – um. I go, whoa, you know, the generation my daughters are growing up in, it's a different yeah, world because yeah. they do not know a world without it. Therefore, there's no point in me going before because there was no before for them. There yeah. is just this. But I do have a before. So mm-hmm. it was a little bit easier because you could kind of, um, you could quarantine your, your influence and you yes. could, but nowadays you go, wow, there's so much cross-pollination and I don't know how to work it out. I don't know how to do it well yet. So what I've done is gone very quiet in certain areas because I'm like, until I work this out so that I don't hurt. Because the Bible says, you know, Jesus says, if you love me, feed my sheep, don't beat my sheep, don't hurt Mm. my sheep, don't confuse my sheep. Mm -hmm. And because I don't know how to work that out yet, I'm like, I might just be quiet on certain things while I continue to feed God's sheep because I have a lot of sheep that are watching what I'm doing. Um, And bearing the pain of relational fracture. I'm very thick-skinned but extremely tender-hearted. So when you get in close to my heart, you do have the power to hurt me. And, you Mm -hmm. know, Eugene Peterson says it beautifully. He goes, you know, when um, I've been kicked in the gut, he he mentions in the Psalms when basically, you know, you've come in close and kicked me. You have to be really close to someone to kick him in the gut and to to feel winded. And I think a lot of us are still railing. And a lot of what I see out there on social media is people talking out of their wounds, not their wisdom. Mm. And um, when you speak out of a wound and not wisdom, you actually uh, you're very toxic, and that wound seeps on a whole lot of people. And um, that's why the Bible says that the root of bitterness defiles many. Mm. So unless we go deep, I don't think this is a time actually to be venting loudly. I think this is a time to be going deep and uprooting any root of bitterness so you won't defile many. And I spent six months of last year almost weekly, two hours a week in counselling um, because I... Two hours a week oh, yeah. in counselling. It was dead serious. Oh, like it, it was like big, uh, uh, you know, that's where all this comes out of yeah. because I went, um, I felt so kicked in the gut by, you know, especially by this relational fracture, but then also by what I was seeing around me, people that I thought were seasoned. I'm like, how can you be derailing? Mm. How can you be unravelling? Yeah. What is going... And, you know, the Bible says only those things that can be shaken will be shaken so that those things that cannot be shaken will remain. And um, what does this all mean? And I think with the shifting cultural sand that we're we're in, the society that we're in, the shifting landscapes, I'm like, okay, God, um, I need someone outside of me mm. to look into me. Yes. Someone that's godly but highly trained. Mm-hmm. Um, someone that has to an s- expert, an expert that has yep. to sign non disclosures because right. where I'm going, <laughs> that's right. What I know about everyone, we just need to like, that's okay, right. I need that. That's right. So what does that mean? And I need, you know, with my um, I'm so aware, you know, of the kid that was left in a hospital abandoned and abused Mm -hmm. and the rejection and the abandonment issues, the gender identity confusion issues that I had from 12 years of abuse and, you know, uh, fractured relationships 30, 35 years ago. Um, And I'm coming into a new season. You know, I hit 50. What does this mean? And the voice that I have across the landscape of the Christian church from the hyper charismatic to the hyper reformed and... And I take very seriously my leadership role. What does it need mean? So many women are being discipled by the internet. I have a large voice on that. Mm-hmm. What does that mean? And it's often a 
conflicting voice with a lot of other voices that people are hearing. Um, what is my responsibility in that? My deep love for humanity yeah. uh, and the pain and the angst of not being able to reconcile some of what I believe, you know, uh, with just some of the shifts in culture. What does it mean? So I, I had to sit down and go to someone, okay, search me. So I prayed mm. to God, you know, search me, try me. Then mm-hmm. I also went to a counsellor and went, That's okay, right. so you to you too. <laughs> That's search right. me, the two try of you me, together. <laughs> see if there be any right. evil way in me. See, am I a Pharisee? Am I a bigot? Mm. Am I judgmental? Am I negative? Um, am I a danger to society? Am I like I ask all the hard questions? Yeah. Therefore, because I believe certain things that are not popular right now, because mm-hmm. I believe in an absolute truth, because I believe in a historical traditional view of marriage, because I believe that scripture is inerrant, because I believe there's a literal hell, because I believe that Jesus is the only way to God. Am I cray cray? Tell me, does that make me a bigot? Does that make me not loving people? Does that mean my table is not long enough? Does that mean Mm. I'm not inclusive? Um, Does that mean I'm not tolerant? I mean, I went there. Like I went, strip me, like, you know, look at everything and help me to understand. And here's my story in the midst of all of that. I want to love people very, very well, but I want to be faithful. Was that so painful? Oh, you've got no idea. I don't. No idea. And expensive. Yeah, um, yeah seriously. <laughs> Everyone go buy her book. And, and really, yeah, you've got to fund my counselling. Yeah. Um, but um, um, deeply, I mean, I could bore my eyes out now because uh, – and knowing what it would cost walking into 2018, 2019, 2020 and the future um, while things are becoming – you know, where we've confusing tolerance with endorsement where mm. in many cases, you know, I think we've thrown out truth in the name of love as rather than getting better at speaking the truth in love. And I've gone to several really, really great theologians and said, okay, help me. Um, I'm a feisty personality, yeah. uh, very, you know, um, I can come across as harsh, so help me to become better at speaking the truth in love. Help me, show me where my rough edges are. Show me where I can be misunderstood uh, where I don't need to be, like mm-hmm. because it's just a personality thing more than a conviction yeah, thing. Yeah. Um, show me where I can just really, really smooth some of those rough edges. Show me where maybe um, I'm sounding more like I've got an ax to grind than people to love. I don't mm-hmm. want to do that. I want to mm-hmm. love people. Um, and the convictions that I have stem out of a deep love for God a deep wanting to be faithful as as well as people that don't agree with what I agree with. They too love God and want to be faithful, but we fundamentally are going to disagree on some fairly major things. Um, So how do I have conviction that's unwavering but deeply loving and yet at the end of the day will have to live with myself and will have to live with the fact that um, I will be misunderstood. Mm. I will it's really it's weird awful. walking in and going, okay, I've lived long enough in this deal now to go, I know what people are going to write about me. Like I know what yeah, people are going to say about yeah. me. I know uh, people that have never spoken to me how they will write a blog about me and have never yeah. ever done what the Bible's Those same people right. that want to be faithful to the scriptures have never made an appointment to say, Chris, can I come and talk to you, look yeah. across a table at you? 
um, and go, well, you're just going to have to live with that and not get angry and not call them out and not go. Yeah, because that doesn't happen to me yet because people don't care enough. Yeah. Like I, people just don't care enough about my thoughts. Yeah. How do you reconcile that in your heart? You just, I mean, I can't even, I bad Amazon reviews just, are as close as I get. Yeah. Well, that, I think that's just where you have to learn to live with it. You go, I'm accountable enough to the right places. That's it. That's it. And I'm not just accountable to people I pay on my payroll or my family <laughs> that have to love me, but right. I'm talking people that have got nothing to gain. Like yes. I don't pay their salary. They're not part of my family. Um, they are independent and extremely successful in their own right. Very, very wise. So all they do is love me mm-hmm. and have no problem if they need to go, you need to weigh this up. This is what yes. this is going to mean. Of course, I'm across the board. I run three major global organizations right. that each in their own right are, um, you know, one huge social justice organization, one women's empowerment organization. Yeah. Um, you know, what do you do when you totally love women, have spent your life empowering women, have come from a background of abuse and and really, really want to see women um, set free and mobilised and activated, but you are entirely pro-life as well. Mm-hmm. And um, you mm-hmm. don't necessarily think that um, women's empowerment and pro-choice <laughs> go together. You're like, yeah. uh, no, I would say they're two different issues, uh, yeah. empowering women um, is, uh, you, you know, the Women's March wouldn't want a woman like me to march. And I'm like, wow. So obviously my chromosome structure is not enough to validate me as a mm, woman. You mm. mean my political alignment or my moral values? Uh, what? Yeah. And it's like, are you crazy? Like, are you, what, what are we talking about here? Right. So my deal is that um, I don't quite fit anywhere. I'm not left enough for the left and I'm not right enough for the right. And I'm like, wow, that's awesome. Yeah. So I'm in this like, I'm in this space that goes. Um, is it lonely? Uh, at times, yeah. uh, you know, um, at times, but I'm telling you, there's a lot more in the middle than we think. Mm-hmm. And, um, a lot more that it go, I'm not totally left and I'm not totally right. And I'm right here in the middle. I love God. I love people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm, um, theologically when I say conservative, orthodox, small O, but you know, that's where yeah. I land. Yeah. Um, and, but I'm quite, uh, you know, I'm, of course, uh, I rescue slaves all around the world. So right. I'm, I'm totally for um, justice. And I so, love when you tweet that out when you're like, three more. Come on, two three, more. Yeah, all I'm the time, like, four oh, more today. So, best. yeah, it is. It's just like nonstop every yeah. day. And, you know, two traffickers in Thailand, uh, three traffickers last week, between 167 and 300 years each in jail. I'm like, oh yes, my yes. You know, like, I mean, that is like a landmark yes. uh, decision. It was on the front page of the Bangkok Times. And I'm um, just because awesome. that just doesn't happen in it Thailand. It doesn't happen because yeah. it was, I mean, and it was a, a governor of a province and three top police officers, major, oh. major, major, major. So we've been working That's on huge. that for years. So, yeah. you know, you kind of see that and go, this is awesome. And um, so I'll fight. I'll fight for the underdog yeah. forever. I fight, I'll fight for the human rights of every human being, yeah. regardless of where they land on anything, uh, yeah. morally, politically, economic. That's like I will fight for every human being, but mm-hmm. I'll also fight for my right to hold the theological convictions that I have as well. Yeah. And um and I'll fight for your rights to be able to have yours, you know. Yeah. Like so, it's not a. Um, I'm sort of right there, uh, in the middle. But I don't. I think that um, it is crucial at this time that when it comes to biblical integrity and just, um, yeah. you know, I'm a word girl. You know me. I'm yeah. a ranting, raging Pentecostal evangelist, and yeah. so. Um, but it's not mutually exclusive, you know. I I talk about a sermon of the both. And for mm-hmm. me, it's never either. Is it faith or works? Um, both. both yeah. Is it spirit or truth? Um, both is, you know, like I'm just like, mm-hmm. are you kidding me? The scripture yeah. is both. And I think we've so polarized that um, that 
we've forced people to make choices that are just don't need to be made at yeah, all. Yeah. And that's why I think there's the anxiety and the tension that there is. And so I um, – is it lonely? Well, yeah, I think to a degree to lead there because what has happened I think in the last 16 months in this country, you know, we keep coming back to in America, um, a lot of people that maybe were far right was so disillusioned, have yeah. just jumped far left. And I'm like, the pendulum didn't really need to swing all the way there. Right. Know, we, we the could river's have, deepest yeah, in the middle. And we just guys. go, yeah. uh, you know, and I think what happened um, is instead of, and I think even as leaders we need to pause and think because I think what might have happened is some people came to an awakening like, oh, my word, I was blind. Mm. I didn't realise I sort of thought the right was operating under a different paradigm, woke up and went, you're kidding me, you would support that, that kind of just, you know, um, well, I'm not aligning with that. Yeah. So instead of maybe just personally repenting and going, wow, God, for the last 20 or 30 years, I was not awakened to racial injustice, mm -hmm. to misogyny, to, you know, the plight of immigrants. I'm so sorry, God. I was sort of just sort of stuck in the Bible and just yeah. kind of, you know, um, I need to repent because... I was ignorant. What happened was rather than taking personal responsibility and going in my sphere of influence, I am now going mm. to awaken the people that I influence. The Bible talks about working within your field mm -hmm. and, um, and use the tools and the influence God's given me to awaken those people and hopefully just lead us all yeah. into being, uh, you know, kind of advocates for justice and a, a whole gospel, a full gospel. Yeah. So rather than doing that, it's like, whoa. I was so deluded by the fact that um, I thought we were about one agenda and we really weren't and you're all misogynistic and sexist and racist. So we've just gone angry, venting, yeah. jumping the other way, which still actually makes it all about me, not about the people. <laughs> right. So to me, aligning around our hatred for a particular political figure is not the same as loving people mm. and loving justice mm -hmm. and really making a stand against, you know, racism or misogyny or sexism or the plight of immigrants, which I'm all about. But I've been all about that for the last 30 years. Yeah, it's not right. because suddenly right. things change politically <laughs> right. and I hate what's happened. I'm suddenly yeah. going to love people. Mm -hmm. Because at the end of the day, in two or three years or four years, whatever it might be, six years, if things will change one way or mm -hmm. another. Naturally, mm -hmm. they will anyway. Um, then we're still going to have to decide, do I really love people or did mm. I just hate what happened? Yeah. You cannot bring change based on – and when you rally people around hatred, around a person or a political party or a situation or anything in life, that's not going to sustain anything. It doesn't have last. Love yeah. for people is the only thing that sustains. So yep. because I've been in the work of justice for a long, long my whole Christian life, then for me I know that the only thing – I'm 51 um, and I'm still going and mm -hmm. I started at 22 – well, a lot of people that started with me that were like angry and militant and hating, well, they're not still doing the work of justice right. today yeah. or even passionately following Jesus necessarily, mm. a lot of them, um, or loving the church, definitely. And I'm thinking, why, why am I still loving the church, still doing the work of justice, still passionately love the Lord, love my husband, mm. love my kids, love people, mm -hmm. am not uh, disillusioned, am not cynical, am not ranting out of anger. And I think it's because... Jesus truly did transform my heart and it wasn't a wound that was speaking. Now, because of the abuse in my life, the abandonment, the rejection, I could have um, 
jumped on a lot of bandwagons at the moment that are right there in media out of anger and the misogyny and you know but I've been talking about abuse for 30 years not just now all my books all my books talk about and I'll still be talking about it in another 30 years in a hope-filled life-giving way yeah um that both calls out the injustice but also gives you a hope that in Christ Mm -hmm. there is freedom Mm -hmm. there is deliverance anger does not need to define your life and if you only want vindication and justice out of anger, it's unsustainable. It yeah. is unsustainable. It must not be motivated fuel. out of last. love, yeah. a love for Christ mm-hmm. and a love for people. As simplistic as my theology is, love God, love people. <laughs> love people. But that will fuel you in the long term. Then yeah. you have a righteous anger. Mm-hmm. And out of that, oh, mm-hmm. I'm telling you, um, I was doing a holy dance when we put that governor and those police officers in jail between yeah. 167 and 300 years old. Yeah. I'm all about justice. Yep. Make no mistake. Um but it's fueled out of a love for God and a love for people and a hatred for injustice, mm-hmm. not out of a hatred of what was only done to me and wanting vindication. God vindicates, right. not me. Right. We're talking very fine. Well, we're having a very mature conversation now, um, Annie, because you've got to be uh, have a certain revelation in the spirit to even get what I'm talking about because it's such a fine line. You could twist right. everything that I'm saying right now. And we um, go, well, Chris is like, you know, and the fact is, that's not what I'm saying at all. I'm mm-hmm. always saying that uh, injustice is injustice yes. and we ought to be standing against injustice and for justice and for righteousness. But Scripture does say vindication comes from God. Yeah, don't do it out of your pain. And what I'm yeah. seeing is a lot of vindica- people wanting vindication because mm-hmm. they've been wounded. Mm-hmm. And that um, really, Hebrews talks about that root of bitterness that defiles many. And I'm seeing on social media a lot of people are being defiled because yeah. of a root of bitterness in some people. And it's it's sad. And, you know, there's always an ounce of truth in what people are saying. That's mm. why the enemy can take that root mm-hmm. and make it go deep. Mm-hmm. So sometimes I think uh, there's a time for silence and a yeah. time for speaking out. Yeah. And I have very intentionally not stepped into a lot of conversations right now because they're they're yelling and venting. They're not actually real conversations. So I'm just going to real quick interrupt this fun conversation and tell you about my friends over at Prep Dish. You've heard me talk about them before if you have listened to the show before, but Prep Dish is a great way to save time and be efficient in the kitchen. Eat healthy. You know me. I'm gluten-free, dairy-free. And so this is a great way to have those kind of meals that are real foods only. But you can also, if you eat dairy, if you eat gluten, if you eat all the things, they have that for you too. It's a stress-free, really tasty meals. And the founder, Allison, who I adore, is offering my friends, you guys, a free two-week trial of Prep Dish, which is awesome. You get to try it for free for two weeks. This is like a no-brainer. Just go to prepdish.com slash Annie. And if you ever need to use a code, just use my first name, A-N-N-I-E, in all caps, So Prep Dish is like a meal planning service. So every week you get an email with a grocery list and a prep ahead instructions so that all of your meals are ready for the week. There's no guesswork needed. You can let Prep Dish do all the planning for you. You don't even have to think about it, which is great for me because I'm just busy. It's not that I don't like cooking. I'm just busy and I have a crazy schedule and this is such a time saver for me. So after only like an hour, maybe a little bit more of prepping on the weekend, I have all my meals ready for the entire week. So um, make sure you go and try Prep Dish. I mean, why not try it for free for two weeks, right? PrepDish.com slash Annie and your first two weeks are free. Again, that's PrepDish.com slash Annie. Tell me, one of the things I think we need to come around as people who love the church, love Jesus, or are figuring it out, 
is whether the Bible is really true or not. Yeah. I am. I think the Bible is an errant word of God. I think every word yeah. of it is true. Why does that matter that people think that? Because to me, it's safety. <laughs> totally. Well, that informs everything. And in a, yeah. a world of shifting sand, you know, on this outcry tour, um, I've been teaching out of Genesis chapter one, the, the very first question in the Bible, the very first question is the question that the enemy asked Eve. And it's the question that's on the table for us in 2018. Always. Yes. Did God really say? Yes. And that's the end of the day. And that's obviously what everyone's like. Did God really say? Marriage is between one man and one woman. Did God really say? Like, that's that's the whole. Did God really say? Mm -hmm. And if you don't uh, settle what God really said um, about certain things, then you'll always believe what the enemy says. And mm. say in my life, here's the truth. You know, anyone that knows my background, I have a birth certificate that says unnamed number 2508 mm -hmm. of 1966. Unwanted is my social work report. Unqualified is my university publication. So three black and white wow. ink on paper, unnamed, yeah. unwanted, unqualified. There it is. It's, right. it's there. It's in black and white. But then, you know, I've got another black and white ink on paper, which is the word of God. Yeah. It will take as much faith for me to believe the black and white ink on paper in the word of God as it does the documents. Most of us limit our lives and define our lives by what the facts are. Mm. So you have got to decide whether you're going to believe the facts of the circumstances or the truth of the word of God. That's right. And so if you abide in my word, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Now, if you don't believe that thing's truth and you're selectively going to pick which bits you think are true and cut out the parts you don't understand. Either Isaiah 55 is true. My thoughts are higher than your thoughts. My ways are higher than your mm -hmm. ways, says the Lord. Um, so can there be a place? Is there plenty of things? Are there plenty of things in the Bible? I just don't get. Yeah. Yep. Totally. Yeah. Yep. That's it. There's and permission to wrestle. That's right. Yeah. And is it okay to go, well, he, my thoughts are not his thoughts. Well, Christine, mm. that's a cop out. Well, I'm not God. So as a result of the enlightenment, somehow we think that I must be either, either able to scientifically, empirically prove everything or understand everything. Well, I'm not God. Right. So do I quite understand, you know, um, Joshua going in and, um, uh, you know, all the people, the, the genocide? Uh, no, I don't quite get it. Okay, I don't get it, and I don't get why it had to happen like that. Mm -hmm. But you know what? I, I, I can live with that. I'm like, yeah. okay, God, somehow I know that you're good. Psalm 119 yeah. says God is good, God does good, God works all things together for good. Um, okay, so that thing is not good, mm. but you are good. Mm -hmm. How does that reconcile? I'm not quite sure. Literal six days, 6,000 years, I haven't got a clue. You right. know what? It doesn't even make me lose right. any sleep. I'm like, whatevs, okay. Right. Right. Uh, it really like, uh, you know, at the moment I'm trying to help people that are trying to keep their marriages together, mm -hmm. trying not to commit suicide. It come from a background like mine, 12 years of abuse. I didn't know which way was up. You know, I didn't really care whether it was the earth was created in a literal six days or right. I was trying to have two sane thoughts. I yeah. had so much damage. And I think if you – I'm not trying to preach to the front row, Annie. I'm trying mm -hmm. to preach to the person in seat number 250 in the back who's walked in there the night before thought about killing themselves, yep. night before shut up, night before, you know, is in some crazy relationship. It was like me, did not know which way mm -hmm. was up. If mm -hmm. if somehow they did not encounter God, at the at the end of the day, that's the person I'm trying to reach. And it's like, you know what? The intellectual seminarian that's had 25 years of seminary and is extremely privileged that can pay to have these kind of conversations, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. knock yourselves out, get on Twitter and have those dialogues. Yeah. <laughs> and people haven't worked it out for 2,000 years. I don't think they're going to work it out in my lifetime. That's right. Therefore, 
I want to help the person that's like, teach me how to live. Teach mm-hmm. me how to get mm-hmm. through this day. Does God love me? Is there a plan for my life? Is there some way relationally I can be reconciled? Is there some way that tomorrow I can open up my eyes and make it? And I could say, you know what? I was left in a hospital, unnamed and unwanted. I was abused sexually for 12 years. I lived in the poorest zip code in my state. I'm living proof you can start bad and you can yeah. finish good. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I will be, and I, I recognize this in, in much of the church world. They'll look at me and I either think I'm an idiot and I'm just going to, Matt Chandler just wrote a great book about, yeah. look, you're just going to, I'm just going to have to live with this. Yeah, take her. And yeah. you're just going to, people will think we're idiots because I said, well, there are some things in the Bible and you know what? I don't get them. Mm-hmm. I don't get them. Um, but and they'll go, well, that's just ignorant. Yep. Yeah, okay. So call me ignorant. So right. I will have to live till the day I die with people thinking I'm ignorant. Some views that I hold morally, people are going to say, man, she's bigoted. Okay. I'm going to have to go to the grave and go, I accept that's what they're going to think. And God, you know, my heart and I'm going to yeah. have to accept to live. That's painful. So mm-hmm. yes, I'm going to have to accept to live with that. Some people are going to think she's just like a happy, clappy, charismatic, no brain. She's just blab it and grab it, bless it and confess it. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to live with that. That's mm-hmm. what some people are going um, to think. Okay, that's fine. Am I living to change those people's minds um, or am I living to go and seek and save that which is lost, to go and yeah. reach lost people, to yeah. go into all the world and preach the gospel. I have 15 A21 offices in 13 countries that most people don't even know are in the, on the map with yeah. people that are dying, helping Roma gypsies who people don't even know their whole villages are being taken yeah. by the government, who've got three-year-olds being raped. Who are You know what? That's who I'm going to go and help because yeah. they actually don't really care really if the earth was made in six literal days <laughs> or 6,000 years. They're right. like, could, could someone give me food today? Mm-hmm. Um, and Jesus says in Matthew 25, whatsoever you've done unto the least, you've done unto me. They're, I'm not being Jesus to them. They're being Jesus to me. So mm-hmm. I would rather go to where they are and let them be Jesus to me and give them a cup of water in the name of Jesus. Like we got the Mother Teresa Award for Social Justice yeah, in India yeah. for A21 because of all of our work with refugees in Greece. So while everyone else debates how old the world is, I'm going to give a cup of water in Jesus' name yeah. to a Syrian refugee who I prayed for her a little son, five years old, with a huge tumour, um, short of a miracle of God, will die yeah. in some camp on a dirt floor in the middle of Thessaloniki, Greece. I'm like, you know what? They're not really thinking that I'm bigoted or they're, whether I'm, you know, inclusive or exclusive. They're like, I'm there on the front line. I, mm. While I'm going to them, while I'm going to all those that are lost, while I'm looking for the lost coin, I'm looking for the lost sheep, I'm going to the lost son, the ones that are found that either think that um, I'm not smart enough, I'm not academic enough, I'm not theological enough, I'm my table's not long enough, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, knock yourselves out, you privileged lot that have got a lot, lot you know, you haven't got enough going on in your life if all you can do mm. is talk about me. I'm going to keep getting out there mm-hmm. and helping them and I'm finding those people don't really care about those questions. Yeah. They... They they want to – they're trying to survive. See, when you're just trying to survive – and that was me yeah. for most of my life because I, I was the immigrant kid. My ki- my parents were immigrants when King Farouk got overthrown in Egypt. They had to flee to Australia. Their parents fled when the um, the genocide happened against Christians from Izmir in Turkey. Their parents fled to Alexandria, Egypt. My parents fled to Australia. I came to America. Well, immig- immigrants is my yes, story. Yes. I don't ha- – and then on top of that – I'm adopted, so I don't actually even know. I am all I know is my biological mother was a 23-year-old immigrant from Greece, living in immigrant housing in Australia, wow. that was unmarried, pregnant to a 55-year-old married man. That's all I know. So oh, wow. I am that kid. Yeah. I, so I am that yeah. person. So everyone that people are advocating for, the immigrant, 
the abused woman. Uh, I'm like, yes, that would be my story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, the marginalised, the oppressed. So I am going to keep helping and going and helping those people. I don't have time for to get caught up in these Twitter wars because yeah. the fact is while we're arguing about what everyone else should be doing to help them, we actually could get off our sweet rusty dusties and do something ourselves. <laughs> That's right. And I'm finding when you do something yourself, you're not going to get a whole lot of credit mm. because you're not shouting on Twitter about what the government should be doing because I could just be doing it. There's a yes. lot I could be doing. Yeah. There's a lot of my own resources that I could be giving. There's a lot of my own time that I could be giving. There's a lot of my own energy that I could be doing. And I think my stream of the church has just been busy doing that for mm. a really long time. Mm-hmm. So while people are analysing our theology, we're just loving God and loving people, maybe getting it wrong a the way and going, you got a lot of time to analyze how we're doing what we're doing and what we believe about what we're doing. But a lot of us are just fumbling our way in the messy reality of human lives, actually doing it while you're talking about what everyone should be doing. So what does that look like for like a 25 year old single guy or like a mid thirties mom or a grandma? What does it look like in a normal life to love God and love people like that? Yeah, I think it's just like in your world and your sphere of influence, because everyone has one. Yeah, they need to do hear what you, you can with what you have mm-hmm. where you are. Mm-hmm. It's as simple as that. And um, I think it's going to help a lot of people to get offline a little bit and start going, Amen. okay, let's get offline. Do you know your and neighbors? start working in real life. And it is. <laughs> yeah. we will keep saying this every day because there is no more um, – I'm too old to try to sugarcoat it and – Um, we're talking about real everyday people. And you know, a lot of times it's a lot easier to vent about what should be happening politically rather than me actually doing something Mm -hmm. personally. Mm -hmm. And in your community, in your world, if you're a stay-at-home mom, um, I guarantee you, your friend's kids, there's something going on. Yes. That you could do something. 25-year-old single guy, instead of sitting around dreaming about you know you changing the world why don't you practically get involved in some, with someone that's already changing the, their world yeah. wherever they are yeah. start serving there's the the way to everything is servanthood there's there is no excuse for anybody not to be doing something because there are so many options nowadays Um, and I still think it comes down to a whole lot of people would prefer to sit around the fire, campfire singing Kumbaya, talking about Jesus' love for them and what they one day will do and Jesus loves me. I'm like, yes, sweetheart, he does. Mm -hmm. So now Mm -hmm. get up. If my daughter sat at my my feet, mummy, I love you, mummy, I love you. Okay, at some point I'm going to go, Catherine, that's awesome. Get off your rusty dusty and go and clean your bedroom. I think <laughs> there's it. a time now where Jesus is like, sweetheart, I know you do uh-huh. and I know you know I love you. Now get up, uh-huh. get on with it and get about the Father's business. I think we are wasting so much time talking about everyone else's business on um, social media because we're not about the Father's business. Mm. And if we got about the Father's business a bit more, we wouldn't have time to mess with everyone yes. else's business. So I've been doing this full time for six years. You've been doing it for 30. Yeah. What do I not know? What's your personal relationship life? Tell me how I do this. How do I stay in this for the long haul? Yeah, you uh, stay out of most... Most fights are not worth having. The the fight that's worth having is the fight for faith. So Mm -hmm. what I see big picture is there is a contention. um, There is a fight for our faith. Mm -hmm. And um, so internally, and that's an internal thing more than an external thing. Issues come, issues go. Can I just tell you a whole bunch of the issues uh, now that we see, whether it's um, the inerrancy of scripture, whether it's the issue about uh, the definition of marriage, relationships, all that kind of stuff. They go in circles. Like mm. I'm, I'm old, you know, I was born with a dinosaur, so I could be your mother, like literally. <laughs> so go back when I was starting, a lot of these things were conversations then in the 1990s. Um, mm. I remember, uh, you know, people thinking 
said, oh my gosh, they've suddenly got a revelation no one else has had in Christendom for 2,000 years. And that the spirit, and remember, I'm charismatic, so I'm laughing when people that have been denying that there is a third part of the Trinity suddenly are trying to tell me that I'm going to get a greater revelation and the Holy Spirit's going to reveal to me because my faith will be evolving. My faith doesn't evolve. My faith matures. There's Mm. a different thing. Scripture Mm. tells us that um, the the Ephesians 4 ministry gifts are to bring me to maturity, Mm. Christ-likeness, sanctification. Um, And so my deal is that... um, you know, if I sit with this long enough, I'm suddenly going to get a revelation. And I'm thinking, wow, okay. Um, Ecclesiastes says, there is nothing new under the sun. So let me just start there. Don't get caught up with short-term issues because you'll find they just cycle around and yeah. cycle around. The enemy uses And then you'll the be embarrassed stuff. you fought the first Are you time. Seriously, you, comes, and yeah. what it's worth, see, in my time, I said a lot of dumb stuff too, but there was no Twitter. Thank you, Jesus. And most people don't have cassette recorders anymore to play cassette tapes. So I'm like, thank you, God, you you just delivered me. The crazy thing now, it's up there on the internet, you know, and you go, oh, just say less, say less. Don't Mm -hmm. tweet, don't tweet. Don't put it up there on the internet because five years from now, you're going to be like, what what an idiot. Not only what an idiot, what damage did I do? And it's just, it's very painful. Um, And so I would say just pick the right fights. Um, and have the right people around you that will speak truth to mm-hmm. you. Mm-hmm. You know, everyone all is all about speaking truth to power now. I'm like, dear Lord, just maybe have someone speak truth to you. That would be helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, it's just like that would be – and people that are further down the track, a lot of people that go, well, you know, this person, but that person, most of them are either dependent on them economically or for position or mm. for a leg up or – they're not as far as they are in um, ministry and you go, you've got nobody in your life that can actually honestly challenge you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I saw that in a relationship uh, where, you know, I was peer, a peer with someone who had no peers in their life, just a lot of people that, you know, and um, I questioned one thing and it went, Whoa, and I thought, wow, I'm the only one that ever got close enough to say yeah. something and the way you responded to that shows me that you really, really have you know, not a whole lot of uh, peers in your life. So so make sure you really honestly do have people that can just ask the right questions that love you enough to do that. We There's a lot of talk about that now, but there's not a lot that really, really mm-hmm. uh, happens. And um, stay in the word. It's, it's honestly not complicated. Your fight will be to keep it simple. Mm. So your fight will be love God, love people. Christine, yeah. don't – because your ego – and as God gives you more influence, your temptation will be to preach to the front row instead of keep preaching to the back row yeah. because you will want to impress the front row rather yeah. than help the back row. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I have got to fight all the time. Christine, you are not here to impress the, you know, whether they're the academics or my peers or mm. um, you're not here to impress them. You're here to help them. Yeah. And I so, you know, every night before we go out, no matter what I do, uh, whatever team I'm ministering with, um, I'll take them out and we'll see a room full or a stadium full of people, of uh, seats. And I said, you know, I said, forget the front row. You're not mm. here to impress that. I go and I'll you just take start, them out there before it I'll starts. Just, you oh, really yeah, look and at I'll it. go seat by seat. I'll go and I'll go stand on seats and I'll go. Um, today there'll be a girl sitting here tonight that uh, had an abortion yesterday. Then I'll go sit. So to, there'll be a guy sitting here um, who's just so confused about um, just whether, you know, he wants to commit suicide if God doesn't speak to him tonight. Mm. If this is going to be – and I'll just pick 20 different scenarios and stand yeah. on the chairs and go, that's who we're speaking to tonight. So we might not impress the front row that might want me to exegete you know, a text on the Levitical priesthood and, um, you know, whatever. I said that was tough luck. So they'll blog about how theologically ignorant I am, but we might help someone not commit suicide tonight. Yeah. We might help a girl know the love of God that thinks she's committed an unforgivable sin. We might, And I'll just go through that and go, 
That's what we're here for. Mm. To fight, to keep doing that will be one of the greatest battles of your life. Even if I just walked out onto the church's stage before anyone got there and did that for myself. You should. I, I do should. that every time. I'm going to. That's the only thing that keeps me yeah. uh, grounded yeah. because otherwise I've got human flesh like everyone else. And, um, you know, there are different fights to fight when you have a perceived success as the world would mm. view success, mm-hmm. um, which is really ridiculous when there's seven or eight billion people on the right. planet that any of us would My think we've done anything. My pastor here says anyone in our jobs is in a vice and oh. one side is is the negative and one side is the fame. Absolutely. One side is like the the struggles and the things people don't see and the and it's squeezing us. Well, totally. And if you don't um, actually admit I'm not above it, it will take you out. I mm. mean, if, you know, the worship leader of heaven was taken out, you could be so much in the presence of Gosh. God and singing worship to God. Um, and then he, and the, the root of that is I will exalt my throne above God. I will, I will. There's a lot of I will happening around the place now. Yeah. I'm smarter than God. I'm I'm this. I, I, I have a better revelation than other Christians. I'm more loving than yeah. other Christians. Yeah. I'm more inclusive than other Christians. I, I, I get really, really nervous when you hear a lot of the eyes because, you mm. know, the seven I wills of Satan is what – and then the next verse um, when, you know, God's talking to – Job is, well, I, I saw him fall out of the sky, like, mm-hmm. and that's where you see people so quickly fall. As as quick as you are to, you know, you you get to a place of influence, but when you forget what that is for and it becomes about you and not for the glory of God, um, you will fall. There is, there is no um, pride always comes before a fall. Yeah. So you've got to remember why you're doing what you're doing, who you're doing it for and in whose name you're doing it. Um, and that it actually isn't about you. It's a privilege and an honor. It yeah. is like every time yeah. I take that platform, I'm, I'm acutely aware. And so I'll close my eyes, even while it's all going on, the mm. music, lights, action, camera, and um, be thinking someone is going to encounter Jesus Christ mm. for the first Christine, and I'll say, remember the first time you walked into Hillsong and it was six o'clock service. You know, I just had my 40th cigarette for the day, put it out before I walked in. And walked into an atmosphere and didn't even know what it was. But mm. I encountered something. And I think somebody is going to be that person wow. today. That's who you're talking to. Yeah. You are not trying to impress anybody mm-hmm. else. The last thing we say when we pull up to a place in a car, we, me and my assistant, one of us says they could have picked anybody. Totally. And, that's, and, so, and that changes your face. That changes your heart. You, even if you your luggage didn't get there or whatever, you just go. They could have picked God. Could have picked anybody. This church Always. could have picked anybody. And we are so lucky they picked us. We're very very blessed. And when we move even beyond that, to it's not about even us. It's yeah. not even about who they pick to. Who? What am I there for? Is mm. that's the only thing that will ultimately sustain you? Um, the invitation validates you. Oh, I say that all the time. Your invitation is their invitation is your permission. You taught me that. (laughs) Because if you try to prove yourself once you're there, it's never about the people you're ministering to. Mm. It's about you. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's very dangerous. And Mm -hmm. a lot of us, especially when you're first starting and getting up there, you know, it's like you kind of want to prove yourself. I mean, of course, nobody wants to do bad, but. the good thing that happens over time where you know you're truly becoming free is when you're not even thinking about me. Mm-hmm. Like there's not mm-hmm. – when people are like, Christine, how do you feel? I'm like, well, I haven't really asked myself in a yeah. long time how I feel. So it's, right. not, it's not about how I feel. Right. Um, so it's, it's more about the ministry to the people. If, if we can remember – a calling is not a career. We're bu- we're not um, building a career. Mm-hmm. And so, man, this gig, oh, you'll never hear me use that. This gig is great opportunity. Oh, I am like, I cannot believe that God 
allows me to minister to people. Mm. And so the degree of your ministry and the effectiveness of your ministry will be determined by the condition of your heart. So if your heart's not pure, your ministry won't be because it's the anointing that breaks the yoke and the chain and the bondage, not the gift. So we've got a lot of gifted communicators, not necessarily anointed ministers. So people walk into a room bound Mm. and maybe your gifting will entertain them or will spark their intellect and they love how smart you are or how theologically savvy you are but they're still bound they'll walk out still in bondage and not free and um because there's a great gifting but there's not a great anointing Mm. but if you're willing to be crushed in private um the olive gets crushed but olive oil costs you a lot more money than a jar of olives right but that's because it went through the crushing to become the oil so if you want to have the oil um, and so that you can be poured out like the Apostle Paul, like a drink offering for a generation. You've got to be willing to be crushed in anonymity and obscurity so God can pour and you out. And it just out. keeps happening, right? Because every time stop. I get crushed, I think, well, here, we've done it. And then like, there's another level no, of crushing. There's always. Well, uh, obviously, until Jesus died, he was crushed. Yeah. So I don't know that it's ever going to end yeah. um, at all. And if there's going to be a larger sphere of influence, uh, there is always a direct correlation between the crushing privately and the promotion publicly, mm. always. Okay. So anyone that God has promoted publicly, you know, has been crushed privately. Yeah, you think, and yeah, then we, they, we don't know what you yeah, paid to get it. here. Yeah. And then if, um, then suddenly you go, what happened? They stopped allowing themselves to be crushed. Mm. Mm. So it's not like I got here. There is no getting here. Yeah. There is just a place of, uh, see, a, a career is, I'm going to get to the top of the ladder in the corner office. So if you have secretly considered your calling a career, when you get to your perceived place of arrival, whatever that might be, then you stop doing the very same things. Mm. And that set you apart and, you know, consecrated you, those things in private. Um, and then you fall publicly too. Yeah. So is it okay? Because I do call this my career, but it's also what's paying the bills. So yes. my calling is not my career. My career is how is the bills part of it. It feels like yes, but you're, you're the calling doing, isn't held. By but this it. is a, a ministry. You're serving yeah. people and you're helping people. I'm just um, like, am I allowed to still use that word, Chris? Yes. <laughs> Tell me if I'm not. Well, yeah, yeah, I would say. Um, but deep down, the thing is, would you do it if you didn't get paid for it? So here's oh, the deal. I wish, yeah. So would yeah. you pay? Um, and I think my first seven years where I worked a job mm. so I could do what I do. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's how you know that's you're called. You know, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Right. And my thing is um, if, of course, there's a business site, Jesus, uh, Luke chapter 8, verse 3, it says the women that traveled with Jesus funded his ministry. So there's yeah. obviously yeah. a funding component yes. and an administrative structure component to what we do. So that's um, that's why stewardship, mm-hmm. Jesus had that in his mm-hmm, ministry. Mm-hmm. Um, but my deal is... If something happened tomorrow, would I still be preaching? Well, yes, because yeah, yeah. I don't. It's that. That's not the deal. Is I would work in Walmart. I actually yeah. literally would. Yeah. So that I could continue to do. And yeah. the fact I'm not just saying that. I have a track record of that. Yeah, you know, I used right. to work in an abattoir from 4 a.m. Uh-huh. to 9 a.m. Mm-hmm. so that I could run the youth center. Yeah. For zero pay, yeah. 18 hours a day, all the rest of the time yeah. for years. Not just like a, um, I never knew you could get paid to do this. Right. I never knew that right. you know. Um, so the fact that currently in American culture, you could do that because if you went to Syria, it wouldn't be. That's right. So would you still serve people if you were going to be beheaded and there's no way you're ever going to be paid? Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no book industry for some. So would you still write a book because Mm -hmm. it's your calling? Mm -hmm. Well, of course I would because I did it when I gave them away because there was no payment for it. No one was going to go to Barnes and Noble and buy my book. Now, a lot of people are going to do that with, with this, but 
that's not going to happen in, um, I could name 100 countries of the world where uh, it, to be a Christian you'd be persecuted, where mm-hmm. there is not enough Christians in a country. In Greece, there's less than 5,000 evangelical Christians. So that's not going to sustain a book industry. Yeah. <laughs> so what am <laughs> right. I going to do? Am I not going to serve those people? Well, of course I am. Am I not going to get it translated and give it to them because I b- believe that yeah. the message is going to help them? Well, absolutely. Does what I do here help fund what I do there? Yeah. Totally. Yeah. So that's how you know. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like you just don't get caught up in the American subculture, which is one of the only places on the planet where you could actually, I say this in quotation marks, um, make a full-time living out of being a Christian. Right. Most people are being killed on the planet for being a Christian, right. not making a living out of it. It's a, oh, yeah. you've gotten really that's serious. Brutal. That's brutal. <laughs> okay. So you've got no, you, to remember that. Yeah, yeah, it's like that's the bottom line. Yeah. So that's how I uh, measure it. Yeah. And a lot of people I know, well, if they can't make a living out of it, they're not going to do it. I'm like, wow, I wonder if you've really been called then. Yeah. Yeah, I think that is such a good line to draw. Yeah, that's a great line to yeah. draw. That's good that's for it. me. It's just a litmus test in your heart. Yeah, that's yeah. right. That's right. Because and, and so often I think um, this is exactly what I want to do forever. Let's just make enough money to keep doing it. Yeah. Let's just make enough that this is. But I'm, you're right. If I had to go to Walmart. Well, of course you I would do I it. Would. So how could I have um, 15 offices for A21 in 13 countries? Right. Um, and you go, why is she running around this country? How do you think we do everything we do for the people of God around the world that, that have no money? He'll take care of us, right? Like, of course he will. That's what it does. Yeah. And so to, I believe to whom much is given, much is required. Yeah, yeah. And I believe I work Much is squeezed. <laughs> and um, so if you don't think if he's given me a voice and an opportunity um, to influence people, to raise resource, to sell books, it's not for me. Yeah. That's it's right. for like there's a, right. I've got brothers and sisters being beheaded all over the world. Yeah. I've got brothers and sisters that would never have access to the word yeah. um, if I didn't find a way to get it to them. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so um, that's what Lisa Bevere does too, well, right? A hundred percent gives away books. millions of books. Yeah, so yeah. my bottom line is um, th- this would be one of the rare countries on earth that you could get paid full time for being a Christian. Yeah, yeah. And you wouldn't even actually know if you were anymore because right. you just kind of do it. So you only know if you are, if you're really going to do. Uh, what you first did. So yeah. would I, I, I did this for nothing. I got saved. My right. family didn't speak to me for three years. I didn't know there was a career. I thought it was going to be like a Mother Teresa working in mm. India for the rest of my life. Like that's what I thought Christianity was. Yeah. Like and, um, America's the only country in the world where Christianity has become a business. Right. Um, it's, it's not like that everywhere. So yeah. you go, okay, so what do I, the influence I have and the resource that God has given me, how do I serve the yeah. body of Christ globally yeah. through that? Do you feel like like when Unexpected just came out, do mm-hmm. you feel like you get extra squeezed when books come out? Oh, girl. Yeah, well, like six yeah. months in counseling, two hours yeah. a week. Are you kidding me? Were you writing really? that whole time? Oh, yes. So and this tra- came out of that. Oh, unexpected yeah, well, came out of yes. that. Yeah, unexpected, yes. And so this, the fact is that in the last um, 18 months, so many unexpected things have happened mm-hmm. in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I was just stunned with the unexpected responses I yeah, saw of people yeah. like unraveling. Yeah. And I thought, wow, the Christian life is actually unexpected. That's the yeah. whole Christian life yeah. is uh, number one, it's an unexpected faith adventure. Did I think I would be doing what I'm doing? Well, yeah. no. Right. <laughs> um, so following Jesus, number one, don't make it boring or predictable because it's yeah. unexpected. But That's the other right. way is Jesus didn't say if trials come. He said mm. when, mm. when mm-hmm. tribulation comes. And so, you know, the first chapter is uh, I haven't, I, I always knew I would write about it. I just, this is where I'm writing about it. Three years ago, you know, when I got the phone call that no one wants to get, you know, Chris, you have cancer. Yes. So what do you do Gosh, when you I get remember. an unexpected diagnosis and the cancer's between your larynx and your trachea on your voice box and you do what I do? Mm-hmm. So what do you do? Mm-hmm. And um, and I think that chapter, you know, and people that have read it or already that chapter because then I – you will see 
because it came from such a tender place as I was writing. You, yeah, you'll see it in the yeah. writing. The whole time I'm talking about um, approaching that with an attitude of faith, I'm explaining my dad dying in front of my eyes when I was 19 mm-hmm. of lung cancer. So, you know, it's it's a very – it's the both both and, both not the and. either or. Yeah. So um, I'm going, okay, how? Because uh, otherwise people are going, well, you know, I've got stage four and, Chris, you just want to give your healing testimony. I'm like, okay, let me walk you through both together. Sure. Uh, let me talk to you about my dad that died, that lost 80% of his body weight, that um, – you know, I walked in and he had died in my mother's arms. Let me explain to you. I've seen it. I'm not. I'm not mm. denying that. Now let me talk to you about how I walked through my unexpected news, knowing the reality of that. Yes. So I'm really trying to help people to go. Okay, let me give you a practical application of faith because we need faith. The fight yeah. is for faith, and I believe what what I'm seeing so much in the body of Christ. Here's the flip side. So yes, I'm seeing people saved, delivered, healed, amazing revival. I said yeah. I'm seeing a parallel universe. You wondered how I'd come full circle to your opening question. The, <laughs> An the hour other thing <laughs> is uh, the amount of doubt as well. People going, well, I'm just going to accept this because this is just how it is. Okay, yeah. so no faith. The whole other opposite. Well, you right. know, and I'm like, what? Are you kidding me? Our world needs hope. Our world needs faith. That's not denying reality. Let me. Let, and I think in unexpected, I have found the balance because. Um, the hyper faith movement was like almost a denial movement. So if mm. you get a cancer diagnosis, say I don't have cancer, it's under the blood. It's no. <laughs> sweetheart. That's called lying. Yeah, that's yeah. not called faith. <laughs> faith is not calling those things as though they're not. That's called lying. Mm-hmm. It's calling those things that are not as though they are. Mm. So let me call forth my healing. Now I said to the doctor, I'm going to get healed one of three ways, either instantly, which is what I was believing for, and I've seen that happen. Yeah, man, I wanted that testimony, but that's not mine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I want. But does that mean? I still pray for everyone, absolutely, yes. and believe God for it. And then um, I said, or it will be diagnosed. It will be, you know, we will find the um, isolate it. God will use medicine and medical technology. And in my case, that, thank God, that's what happened. Yeah. God yeah. bless the medical profession. Right. Or Jesus is going to take me home. Mm. I'll be healed in heaven. I'm having a party. Don't be sad. I know people here on earth might be a bit sad for a minute, but don't, please get over it because yeah. I will be fine. Yeah. And I said, plan A, I win. Plan B, I win. Plan C, I win. So why would I not be speaking hope? People go, yeah. don't put false hope. I'm going, what do you mean false hope? We're all going to die. Death is the ultimate statistic. One yep. out of one will die. I don't know <laughs> anyone almost except for a couple of people in the Bible that went to heaven without dying. Yep. So don't go, oh, my gosh, I'm going to die. Let me put you out of your misery. You are going to die. Mm-hmm. We are all going to mm-hmm. die. Just live mm-hmm. long enough. You will. So the thing <laughs> is um, let's not fear that. Let's fear not living. Yeah. So I want faith for that until – and then, of course, a whole lot of different scenarios. What do you do? You know, when all you wanted to do was be married and at 40 you're still the president of the Singles to a Rapture Club. Yeah. What do you do with that uh, disappointment? What do you do when all you want to do is have your own biological children? I talk about my friend that had seven miscarriages and then would never have a child. Yeah. And and so real stuff. Like, you know, yeah. like it's, it goes there. My, that is unexpected. Um, that all, all stays. All yeah. the unexpected, that disappointment. Mm-hmm. What do you do with it? The um, um, But it's all from an avenue of fa- I think yeah. I, I'm giving people a – a sense when they put the book down, they're going to go, bring it on. Yes. Okay, God. That, that is what uh, it's you not, do for us. Well, that's, that's it. It's sure not mutually exclusive. Yeah. Um, it's like, okay, it hurts, but I'll get through. Yes. And God is good and God does good. That doesn't mean I'm in this blab it and grab it denial theology. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to bring both together, the, yeah. this side and this side. Yeah. Um, and then, of course, the most painful, the most painful chapter um, on just the the betrayal, like the the friendship. You know, when someone's that close to you, and I've seen so much of that, you know, in the last yeah. 16 months. So yeah. I think it's very real for people, very raw. Um, and I definitely think 
um, according to my therapist too, I did not write it from a place of pain. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't venting. I think I'm, I'm right, through it. And it I was, know. but I needed to do it when it was still vulnerable enough that it would connect with people. So yes, they would go, okay, yes. hopefully deep breath. If Chris could get through it, mm-hmm. I can get through mm-hmm. it. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. that's what I'm hoping that it's um, helpful and faith filled and yeah. inspiring. And yet it will really resonate with, okay, you do get it. But yeah. God, and I want people to know, because a lot of times, you know, when I'm in my flow on stage, people are like, oh my gosh, this woman, she's just so full of faith. I can't, you know, it's either going to inspire 80% of the room and 20% of the room is going to be like, I'm just not like that. It's just mm-hmm. not, you know, I want that other 20% to go, it's not about what I'm like. It's about what God's like. Mm. Okay, so if I can just latch onto that God mm-hmm. within my own personality type, wherever you yep. are on the Enneagram, whatever <laughs> flipping number you are, God is going to – it's not a personality thing. It's That's a Jesus right. thing. That's He's right. going to reach in and in faith move you on. And yeah. I really uh, wanted to do that. And I think um, certainly, you know, all the kind of – pre-readers it's it's resonating in that way and you know the uh, something i've only learned in the last few years because thank you enneagram but is that sadness and faith can live together absolutely because i used to think sadness meant i don't trust or sadness meant i don't believe but no we can feel sadness and things can go wrong and still be full of faith absolutely and you just don't have to live in that space Mm -hmm. and um you can be grieving deeply yeah and full of faith yes absolutely otherwise jesus I mean, if we say, was he ever not full of faith? Never. Yeah. And yet he grieved and he wept and he said there's a, you know, but again, remember, it is the shortest verse in the Bible, so it doesn't mean we have to camp there. So, (laughs) yes, Christine, Jesus wept with Lazarus. Yes, sweetheart, but it's the one we always quote as the shortest verse. But what I'm saying um, is you don't have to camp there. Yeah. And um, I think some of us, especially in light of the last 18 months, are camping in places we're meant to pass through. And that's what Mm. I think that would be the central message of the book is most of us, we truly want to be delivered from situation oh man so do I like I, I, like I said even the cancer thing like please yeah and I was like god if ever you were going to do a blab it and grab it bless yeah. it, this is <laughs> this it. is your moment <laughs> and um no no it didn't happen for the Pentecostal Christine so um um but the thing is that most of us want to be delivered from God though generally walks us through mm-hmm. but it's the valley of the shadow of death it's a shadow don't camp and that's probably what I'm trying to say to people don't camp in a valley that you're only supposed to be passing through Mm. is it a valley yes is it dry yes but there are so many books out there at the moment about the wilderness and I'm like okay we get it keep going yeah because some of it is almost pitching a tent in the wilderness well the deal is by choice read the bible they died in that place right the promised land is always the goal Mm -hmm. and of course and that's really where I go there there is always a wilderness you can't deny it but i think we've built an idol to the wilderness in these last Mm. 18 months that's another sermon that's another time (laughs) that's good and um rather than learning the lessons Mm. from the wilderness which we should but don't you dare ever think the wilderness is what god's plan is because it's not so for our friends who and me from friends who are just starting to read the bible or friends who read the bible every day where should we camp what's a scripture that you go like if you're going to camp somewhere stop right there and stay there for a bit yeah. Oh, there's so many. Well, it depends. I, for me, of course, I, I love the book of Ephesians and Ephesians 3.20 is always a life verse for me yeah. that um, God is able to do exceedingly abundant. Well, there you go. Yeah. She's, she just I, pulled that out to I me right now. I have it in my office. That's right. Um, because, and I would have that everywhere. I always sign that when I'm signing books because it's not just a trite passage. It's I look at my own life yes. and I think personally, exceedingly abundantly above and beyond anything yeah. that I could ever yeah. imagine. Um, 
uh, I could get scooped up tomorrow, was. and that's been true of my life. I haven't gotten Good. everything I wanted, but it is so much more. Than it ever was. Yeah. yeah. So it's like what I wanted and what God has given me, which yeah. is exceedingly abundantly above and beyond. The truth is if we understood and really where Ephesians goes to all our, the rich, everything that's in Christ that yeah. is ours, um, from the minute you're born again. Mm. you actually, God has done exceedingly abundantly yes. above and beyond anything yeah. you could ever imagine yeah. because most of us actually have no understanding mm. of what our salvation has done for us. Mm-hmm. That alone. Yeah. If we actually really got that alone. Yep. Uh, and Ephesians is six chapters. So if people read one chapter yeah. a day, they could read through Ephesians in a Absolutely. week. Absolutely. And, yeah. and if, you, if you're only just reading the Bible or you've never even come across it, get a, the message version yeah, um, or it. the Passion Translation. Oh, are you loving the Passion uh, love, too? Love, love, Me love. Me too. And um, so my deal is get that and just read through Ephesians uh, in that because it will give it to you in a way that you can understand. So then when you pick up, um, I teach out of the ESV. Yeah. Uh, so when you How come? Why that up, over NIV? Because um, I did the NIV for a long time. Sometimes I, well, I started New King James Version. Good oh, Christian. look at you. And so if you get me um, preaching in preacher mode, you'll laugh because I'm holding an ESV, but I'm preaching, preaching. in NKJV. <laughs> um, and if I'm getting my real preach on, the old King Jimmy comes out yeah. too. So it's like, because I memorize the Bible in yeah, uh, King yeah, James. Yeah. So it's like, oh, there she is. Okay. Yeah. So... I did NIV for a really long time. Um, I like the ESV, probably because my friend Lisa Harper, you know, she went to yep. seminary for five years. And so because like, okay, okay, you're smart. Tell me what I need to yep. do to pretend I'm smart. So at least even if I open an ESV, someone thinks, well, she's opening yeah, a real Bible. That's right. And so it's just kind of, that's funny. <laughs> but secretly you're like the passion so, yeah, translation. You watch, man. I love me it. Too. I love the message. Let's go. <laughs> I do too. Um, okay. So last question we always, always ask, because it's called That Sounds Fun. What does Christine Kane do for fun? Oh, What's girl, fun? I laugh so much. Okay. Yeah, you do. do I, yeah, I do. I really, really do. You you eat good. great. I love good It's food. a big value in our life. Yeah. Um, we say, you know, the team that plays together stays together. The yeah. family that plays together stays together. So I think if you had my daughters on this podcast, yeah. they would say we laugh more than anything mm-hmm. else in mm-hmm. our home and in our office. Same to all our offices. Yeah. Um, we, we have a board on the thing, especially because when you're involved in rescuing slaves and just the trauma that people sure. see, um, you will see scooter races around the office. I mean, like you just see, <laughs> yeah. you know, we, we are with great intentionality, yes. make sure uh, there is lots of fun, lots of, we call them team family meal nights, yeah. um, very intentionally, very often um, because so much of what we do is so serious. We're yes. so serious about what we do. Um and there's a difference between fun and carnality mm. because if you don't have fun, you will default to carnality because you've got to have an outlet somewhere. Yes. And so what I do is make sure we create great aspects of fun. So mm-hmm. fun is um, really yeah, – I love – Great, great restaurants, great yeah. cooking, great food. I find even sometimes like around a table, great food and drink and lots of funny stories yeah. to where tears are streaming down your face. If you do that in a healthy way, you're going to find a lot less people are going to sort of try to escape through watching stuff on the internet that they shouldn't yep. or going to places that they shouldn't. Yep. A lot of that is just – Or tr- eating things they shouldn't or eating or drinking. And being yeah. like gluttony or yep. over drinking and having yep. that extra glass of wine or having that – you know, you go – a lot of that – you can actually avoid if you create healthy outlets along the way. Yeah. And so you're a lot less likely to develop patterns of destructive behavior that really are just, I can't cope. Yes. So I, I need this outlet. Um, so I find we really, I love the boat. I love going out. Yeah. Um, I love paddle boarding, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Like is uh, I love to paddle board. I love to kayak. I love sun. I'm a water girl. Yeah. So, you know, it's like um, we got this little 
I mean, it's nothing spectacular, but you don't need as long as it floats. I'm Thank happy. You. Okay, yeah. so it's a um, an overglorified rubber dinghy. But anyway, yeah. so it's a, like next step up. <laughs> no joke. And so, um, and we live out near the water, so I'm not home much. You know, you all know I, I work. I, I'm just, and I'm not. Uh, dri- at my age, there's nowhere like are you driven to go to a higher place. Uh, right um, now, I feel compelled and called. So there's a difference yeah. when you feel called further out in the water. God gives you the sustenance to keep going. That's if right. you're driven, you're going to kill yourself. That's right. You're going to kill yourself and die. So I don't feel driven. I feel called <laughs> and compelled. Yeah. And there's a there's a, a subtle but very important difference. So when we're home, um, we really try to spend time um, out on the water. I live in Southern California, so you you got great yeah. um, weather most of the time. And um, laugh a lot with my kids. I love a good movie. Yeah. But really, I've got to say, a lot of ours circle around meals and yep. friends. Yep. And um, and I'm a high introvert. Are so, you? Oh yeah. So I recharge a lot on my own. Okay. I, I have loads of time. So I have obviously a large office, but um, I'm not in the office very much. Mm-hmm. I don't run anything. Mm-hmm. Organize. Nick, my husband, runs yeah. um, all of our offices. We have over 200 staff. He runs all of our staff. Um, our offices, all the logistics, and we have a, a, quite a complex system globe because yeah. we're in 13 Globally, countries. You know, yeah, there's a right. lot going on. Um, I don't feel any compulsion to do anything I don't feel called to do. So I um, I do what only I can do. You know, I write my messages. Yeah. I turn up and do my sermons. I write my books um, with a collaborative writer. I've got a great collaborative writer yeah. that I work with. And um, I mother my daughters and I'm a yeah. wife to my husband. So yeah. I do what only I can do. No one else can be Nick's wife. That's right. No one else can be the girl's mother. But, um, you know, that doesn't mean I have a traditional mothering role. Right. I don't, you know, when my daughter was asked at school, what's your – they were talking about cooking dinners, you know, what's your mother's uh, favourite thing to make? And um, Catherine said, oh, my mum loves to make reservations. So, you know, <laughs> it's just so, – My children will say it. that, yeah. And so it just um, – so and, and yeah, I'm not going to lose any sleep over that. Yeah, you know that's what right. I mean? like, that's right. Um, and so – you kind of just stay in your lane yeah. and do what you're called to do, do yeah. it with a lot of fun because I really do believe that Jesus called us to enjoy our life, yes. even when we do hard things. Me too. Me too. Um, he says, John 10, 10, I came that you might have life mm-hmm. and life more abundant. And I think a lot of people don't make it in life or ministry because they don't have a lot of fun along the way. Mm-hmm. So you've got to find what works for you yeah. and make sure it's not destructive or just feeding your flesh in terms of carnality, yes. but that it's fueling your soul. That's a different thing. I feel like um, that's one of the reasons I'm on the planet, no kidding, is to help people find fun. Go, go. And I think that's my spiritual mother's Joyce Meyer, and she believes yeah. that's a, a huge uh, part of, and that's why at 75, she lifts heavier weights than me three yeah. times a week, walks five <laughs> miles a day, writes three books a year, still does 13 of her own conferences, is on daily TV, and laughs so much doing it. And She's, there's not many 75-year-olds. Yeah, I, thanks to you, I met her, and I just thought, Okay, that's, that's it. it. That's the picture. Yeah. That's it. That's what we all point to and go, okay, God, what? squeeze me however you need Come to squeeze on. me so that right. I'm 75 and still loving Jesus loving and it. loving people. Yeah, that's right. Totally. Chris, thanks for being on the show. I You're love such you. a treat. I love you too. You are such a gift to me. Can really. I just say, don't edit this part off, that you are such a gift. I thank God because uh, I've got a 16 year old mm-hmm. and I've got a. Um, 12 year old and you know they love their mum but they're not listening to me so they're listening (laughs) to voices like yours and it gives me as a mum I need to tell you great hope I could cry right now and faith and confidence that there's young women of God like you Mm. that are speaking to my daughter's generation full of biblical truth and integrity you love God you love fun Um, but you love the word and you love Jesus and 
navigating the tensions that you're ge- I didn't have to navigate some of the stuff you guys really have to navigate in your generation and you're doing it with grace and love and wisdom so as a mum and I'm sure I speak for tons of mums I'm so grateful to you on behalf of my daughters for what you do and thank don't you. you dare edit this off <laughs> okay <laughs> thank you listening. love you you're sweet Well, I love that conversation. I feel convicted in about a hundred ways, and I'm pretty sure that I am um, a better Annie than I was an hour ago. I hope you feel the same way. I'm so thankful for Chris and her words and and just her wisdom. I mean, they, y'all, we are so lucky to have men and women who are some steps ahead of us in life that can speak into where we are. And um, that's not just for me and Chris as far as professionally, but just as far as, as well as calling and as well as being a human and being a believer right now on the planet. So I'm just really, really thankful for her. Make sure you pick up her book, Unexpected. It's so cute. She's riding like a scooter on the front. I totally love it. I just, I think the world of her. So um, it is a really powerful book, as you can tell from what she said. She is just a powerhouse and I'm grateful for her. Make sure you follow her on social media. Tell her thanks for being on the show. Hey, if there's anything I can do for you, I'm embarrassingly easy to find. It's Annie F. Downs all across the internet. F as in fancy. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, whatever you need from me, I am there for you. So thank you so much for joining us today, friends. I absolutely love getting to talk to you every week. Thank you for trusting me with your ears and a little bit of your heart. I really appreciate it. I hope you go out and do something that sounds fun to you today, and we will see you next week. 